Welcome to The Howler, your weekly look into the state of Wolfpack Athletics. Now let's go to your hosts, Ethan Barry and Madison Bell. Welcome into another edition of The Howler. My name is Ethan Barry. I will be alongside you for the rest of the year. I'll be alongside Madison Bell as Nick Sinopoli has decided to pursue other interests at this point in his career as a member of the sports media. Madison, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Andrew Schnitker is our guest this week, sports editor at The Technician and host on First in Tech, I believe that's the name of your podcast, correct? Yes, it is, Ethan. Uh, it's great to be in here, guys. Thanks for having me. Sure thing. Thank you for joining us today to talk some Wolfpack football. But before we get into it, where can our listeners find your podcast? So First in Tech is available. If you go under, the easiest way to do it is go under the Technician website, go to the Multimedia tab, and go to Podcasts, and you'll find our page. And you, there's links there to subscribe to it on iTunes and Google Play, but you can also find it on iTunes, Google Play, and really just about any podcast listening service that you use. Definitely be sure to check that one out. I listened to one episode with Joe Gillia. That was a great episode. And you've had some other guests like Rob McLam from Inside Pack Sports and Corey Smith from Pack Pride, I believe. Is there anybody I'm missing? Uh, those are the big ones. We also had Daniel Lacey of Pack Pride, and we've had some other technician staffers on it. But yeah, we've, uh, we've had a great time doing that this year. Yeah, definitely something that you need to check out. All right, now for some Wolfpack football. We have been away for a couple of weeks, and NC State is 4-1. and one. I think, would you guys agree with me that pretty much everybody expected NC State to be 4-1 and one at this point in the season, but they didn't get there the way that many of us imagined? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, I had, I believe in my preseason predictions, I did have NC State at 4-1 and one at this point going game by game, but... uh. Two games in particular went a uh, little differently than I imagined. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I pretty much expected us to be about at the same point. I know that the Florida State game was a little bit of a shocker to some people, but um, definitely the South Carolina game was a tough loss for the pack. Yeah, the South Carolina game in Charlotte was definitely a game at this point in the season that everybody kind of looks back at and, and you know, wishes <coughs> wishes things could have turned out differently, but it wouldn't be the NC State way if you weren't winning games that you're supposed to lose and losing games that you're supposed to win. But, Madison, you brought up the Florida State game, and that that was a big win for State, obviously the first big win of Dave Doran, and this is his fifth year. This is his first big win. And, he, you know, he was able to get it. He got a little help from Florida State with some injury issues. But going into that Florida State game, knowing that they were without their starting quarterback and hadn't played in two weeks, did that change your expectations of what to of what you thought you were going to see in that game? I definitely did think with that happening that State definitely had a better chance to win, but it was still just so hard to imagine them going into Florida State and walking in with a victory. I mean, that was the first win for NC State over a ranked opponent since 2012, also the last time they beat Florida State first win in Tallahassee since 2005 and I mean Dave pointed this out after the game but 77% of teams that go into Florida State no matter who Florida State thought it was 87% was it I think it's 87% I just when it was 77 I think they said 13% of teams lose win 
a large percentage of teams right. that go into Tallahassee, regardless of who Florida State's quarterback is, who their team is, what kind of a group they've got, lose. I mean, that is just such a tough place to play. And for the Wolfpack to do that really shows what Dave Doran has been able to build with this team. And it gives him something to point to now. Like, look, this is what happens when we pl- go in there, play our game, and our guys work hard. This is what we've built. This is what we can do. And even though Florida State had a true freshman starting in that game, he he didn't play poorly. He played well. And he was, I mean, he was by no stretch of the imagination was he the reason that NC State won that game. NC State went in there and outplayed Florida State. Um, but like I said, a big win and a, and a big question after that game is how is NC State going to be able to respond? As we know, NC State struggles historically coming off of a big win, but they were able to hold on against Syracuse in the second half last week. What did you see in that game that w- enabled the pack to start 2-0 and in the ACC? Well, I think the biggest, my biggest takeaway – from that game is that is it's an old saying it's cliche but good teams find a way to win how many times have we seen a game like that slip away from the pack it wasn't perfect the offense started great they were shut out in the third quarter the secondary gave up a lot but that's what Syracuse does they air it out and NC State was able to keep them from their game plan enough to come up with a win and I just think that being able to kind of slog it out and pull out a victory when everything's not going perfectly for you is the hallmark of a truly great team, and I think that really is what this NC State team is. And I think one of the great things that Dave Doran's been able to do with this team is sort of change the the overall quote-unquote NC State mentality that you're going to lose those easy games that you're actually supposed to win. But I think he's done a great job being able to change the mentality of our players. I know after the Florida State game, a lot of them were saying, like, we're not done yet. So, like, I think the pack has a lot of room to go here. Yeah, it definitely was both of those wins, starting 2-0 and in the ACC. Now you're coming up on playing Louisville. You get you started yourself 2-0 and in the ACC. Based on your remaining schedule, you've put yourself in position to play, like to be in contention for the Atlantic Division. But we'll see where that goes. We're going to uh, take a quick, not a break, but... We're going to stop right here and talk about the season as a whole in the past five games. Almost at the halfway point, tomorrow night will be the sixth game, which just kind of makes me sad, honestly. But um, team MVP through the first five games of the season, who do you have? This is a tough one. I mean, you really can go with one of three players here and make a great argument. I am going to go with Ryan Finley with the play he's brought at quarterback. He has just been phenomenal for this team. I mean, you saw him in the South Carolina game. His deep ball has been better. His two-minute drill has been phenomenal. Two things he worked hard on in the summer. Guy hasn't thrown an interception. He's got, I forget what it is now. It's like in the 270s of pass attempts. Pretty sure it's, of, isn't it like 257 or something? I think that's... It's close. I it's think close. I know it was closer to 190 after... But he, the first he's got the games. longest yeah. active streak in the FBS of pass attempts without an interception. Got him lucky. He's given Ben Bell out a couple of times. A couple of times with some penalties and some And drops. Jacoby Myers. Yeah, that was a big play. But really, I just think last year, Finley was a good game manager. He wasn't going to lose you games for the most part. He did have a couple end zone interceptions that were costly against Boston College and Miami. But this year, he's really shown that he has that ability to step in and take over a game. And I just think 
quarterback play is so important in the game of football and what Ryan Finley has brought to this Wolfpack team is in my mind the biggest factor between behind the 2 and 0 start in the ACC and the way they've played this year. I'm going to I'm going to switch it up, well not really switch it up because everybody's kind of expecting this. Um I think Bradley Chubb has been a huge factor in the Pack's defense and also team leadership. Um I know last week against Syracuse he Got a little excited and um, almost got into a little bit of a brouhaha. But um, the next time he, uh, next time the pack is on defense, he told everybody to kind of calm down and got a little chippy again. But uh, he's been great coming up for the pack. Tackles for a loss, lots of sacks a game, great leadership. So I think Bradley Chubb's definitely doing big things for us. And he's approaching NC State records. I believe he's four and a half sacks away from breaking Mario Williams' record. Are they going to do two patches? That's a good question. Jersey. What's going to happen? What what jersey for Bradley Chubb are they going to put up on the side of the stadium there? But ten tackles for a loss away, four and a half sacks away. Like I said, I I think it's a matter of of when, not if, he reaches those records. For me, I have to agree with you with Ryan Finley as as team MVP. Like you said, this team has lots of really good players, lots of seniors on defense. And lots of playmakers on offense. Kelvin Harmon, Steph Lewis, Naheem Hines, Jacoby Myers, Jalen Samuels. And he's been able to get them all the ball. And they've been able to do things with the ball, obviously. And um, his play, I agree with you, his play is a huge reason that State is 4-1 and one at this point. And I think a lot of people coming into the season, obviously NC State, People were like, people didn't know if NC State was going to be a good 7-8 win team or a great 9 or 10 win team. But everybody knew that if NC State was going to be a 9 or 10 win team, Ryan Finley was going to have to take his play to this level, and he's done that. So I think that bodes well for NC State going forward. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. And I think just in this conversation, I think we need to talk about Jalen Samuels a little bit. I yes. Mean, that He's incredible. Mind, he's incredible. And I'm not crazy – Jalen Samuels is the best player in college football. That man is just a touchdown machine. I think he's like ninth in the country in touchdowns. I mean, he can do it running. He can do it catching. I mean, the plays he's made, you saw that touchdown running. Throwing. Syracuse. Yeah, he can throw the ball. I mean, we all saw the deep ball he threw against North Carolina last year. There is nothing that the man can't do, and it's really unfortunate. You know, we had Rob McLam on our podcast earlier this week, and he was kind of talking about how – Samuel, none of nothing Samuels does is eye popping individually because he does everything. The rushing numbers by themselves, the receiving numbers by themselves, but you put it all together and look at what he can do. Which I mean, he can do everything, literally yeah. everything. Uh -huh. In my mind, that that there's nobody who can bring to a college football field what Jalen Samuels does for this NC State team. I've I've said for two years, I think if he was four inches taller, he'd be a first round pick. But such is the life we live, and NC State is reaping the rewards of that. And, I mean, if he was four inches taller, he probably wouldn't have been a random three-star recruit from Charlotte and come to NC State. Anyway, three team MVPs. You can make a very good case for any of them. Now I want you to tell me, who is your under-the-radar player who's been playing really well but has not been getting a lot of attention? I'm going to go with, he's definitely gotten some attention, but especially over the past couple games, Naheem Hines playing his first season at running back. And the run game is so important. I mean, we saw the first couple weeks when it was struggling 
when NC State was lacking without it. Naheem's really gotten going. I mean, he went over 100 yards against Syracuse, had by far his best game of the year. And against Florida State, too, the run game is struggling the whole game. On NC State's last scoring drive in the second in the fourth quarter, he had over 40 yards, big factor in moving the chains, and of course, ices the game with that 15-yard first down run. He's been important to this team and is really going to be important going forward because the key against a Louisville or a Clemson is going to be to be able to control the clock and run and keep the ball with your offense, keep your defense, and keep those dynamic players on the other team off the field. The best defense against a Lamar Jackson or a Clemson is keeping the offense on the sidelines. Who's your team, MV? Team under the radar player. I know I'm going to go against what you said about your team MVP, but I don't think Ryan Finley is getting enough attention for the things that he's been doing for the Cincy State team, especially nat- national attention, because he isn't even in – I think it was mentioned earlier that he wasn't even in the top ten best quarterbacks in the nation. Is that what you – Yeah, I saw it. I think it was on NFL.com this morning. It was like a college football quarterback power ranking. I'm like, cool, I'll click this and read about Ryan Finley. No, I won't. He didn't get a single vote. That is, again, fourth in the nation in completions. Ninth, I think, ninth in completion percentage. Hasn't thrown a pick. What more can you ask for from your starting quarterback? And that's why I think he's very much underappreciated, especially in Wolfpack fan, the minds of Wolfpack fans, because Wolfpack fans, of course, are, it's QBU. They're used to seeing the quarterbacks like Phillip Rivers and the Russell Wilsons, and they're expecting an it-factor quarterback. And Ryan Finley just is so good at, like, managing and playing everybody out and making everybody else look good that he's not that it-factor for this NC State team because we don't really have one anyway because there's so much talent. But I think Ryan Finley is definitely underappreciated. Yeah, I mean, that's certainly a, a legitimate case for him. I'm going to get I'm, – I'm torn between the offensive line who has – pretty much deserves a ton of credit for Finley's success and Naheem Hines, as you mentioned. I'm going to go, I'm going to go with Nick McLeod because he's held the secondary together. Secondary, as we knew coming into the season, it was a huge question, question mark. It was maybe the only question mark, honestly, um, certainly the biggest, but he's held down one side of the field and he, every time the ball gets thrown at his guy, which honestly isn't that often, but every time it is, it's either a quick tackle. I think he's only given up one or two deep balls. And as a sophomore, that's huge. With Mike Stevens being out, young safeties, Jarius Moorhead, Tim Kidglass, because Dexter Wright has been out. And working Mike Stevens back in this week, that Nick McLeod has been solid every single week on one side of the field. And so I just think he deserves a lot of credit um, for what he's done and helping to hold the secondary together. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I think it's as much shaky play as we've seen from this secondary, uh, Jonathan Alston making that tough transition from wide out to corner on the other side. If you don't have Nick McLeod holding down one side of the field, things definitely could be worse in terms of opposing passing games and what they're getting. Yeah, and, and a couple other position groups that I just wanted to highlight. The defensive line, obviously we know about Bradley Chubb, but those other guys are good too. And the offensive line, who, as I mentioned, Will Richardson missed two games due to a suspension, and Tyrone Prescott was dinged up in the first couple of games. Since those guys have gotten healthy and gotten back into the lineup, this unit has been dominant. Syracuse doesn't have a great defense, but Florida State does, 
and they were dominant against Florida State. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that. I think offensive line play is underrated, and coming into the season, a lot of attention on the defensive line, but you looked, and you have four starters coming back on the O-line. I mean, Tony Adams might be a second-round pick in the NFL. That yeah. is a good player. And I really think that's a factor, too, in what you know Finley and Samuels and this offense have been able to do. They've been great in pass protection, giving Finley the time he needs to find his weapons down the field. And recently, like you mentioned, with Will Richardson coming back and having that cohesiveness, they've finally been able to get the run game going as well. 267 yards, I believe, against Syracuse. That doesn't happen with a bad offensive line. It just doesn't, no matter who you're playing. And then, as I mentioned, the defensive line, you've got Bradley Chubb on one side, and then you have Justin Jones, B.J. Hill in the middle, and Contavia Street on the opposite side, and then Darian Roseborough obviously coming off the bench, and they've just been phenomenal. They haven't put up the stats, mostly because Bradley Chubb gets them all, but they've, I mean, they've been there. They've made big individual plays. Justin Jones has had a huge last couple of games. Contavia Street made a big stop on fourth down. Um, so, I mean, that's just been a great group. Well, you... There is one stat they've gotten, and I think that's like 2.8, 2.9 yards a carry that opposing teams are averaging yeah. against the Wolfpack. I mean, being able to stop the run like that and force teams to throw the ball, even with a spotty secondary, because what you're seeing is the red zone defense, especially against Florida State, has been really good. Because when you get in those, even in those short yarded situations, teams cannot move the ball on the ground against this Wolfpack front, and that is allowing them to hold teams out of the end zone when they get those red zone opportunities and make it more difficult for them to move the chains. And you talk about the run defense, which made me think, we, we run a 4-2-5. That's the defense that Dave Huxtable runs. So you're allowing less than three yards of carry with six guys in the box. So, I mean, that's just a testament to your defensive line and your linebackers. Arius Moore, Jared Fernandez, and Jermaine Pratt have been the main, main guys at linebacker. So now we're going to look ahead to Louisville. Louisville comes to Carter-Finley Stadium. I believe they are 4-1. and one. They played two, I don't want to say weak games, but I don't believe they were Power 5 games in the last two weeks. They lost to Clemson. They did not play well against Clemson. They beat North Carolina in a game, I believe the final score was 47-35. North Carolina was in that game for a while, though. I mean, Louisville really let them hang around, and that is not a good North Carolina team. No, it's year. not at all. But Louisville did, you're correct, Louisville did let them hang around. And then uh, North Carolina, I think they scored a late touchdown. But it was, it was closer than the score indicated, but also not at the same time. And then they only beat Purdue 35-28 in week one. And when I saw that score, I was like, Louisville must not be what they were last year. Because last year, Louisville was, in my mind, a playoff team until the last three weeks of the season, I think, when they lost to Houston, Kentucky and then LSU and they just were not the same team for whatever reason those last three weeks but it's still going to be a big game they've got the best player in the country I would I mean is that a fair statement that Lamar Jackson is the best player in the country I can't think of a player who can do who can make an impact on a college football game the way Lamar Jackson can and who means as much as his team to his team because I think you're right outside of him that's not a great team Lamar Jackson is definitely going to be somebody that the pack has to watch out for but I think the thing is that if you figure out how to contain Lamar Jackson, you're going to be in a pretty good position. Yeah, I mean, if you can keep him in the pocket, his legs are what makes him special. And he, and you hear the comparisons to Mike Vick. Michael Vick, who was at Virginia Tech in the early 2000s, 
And it's his legs that are worth the comparison. Michael Vick had a huge arm. But it's going to be tough. It's going to be Lamar Jackson against the NC State defensive line, which is the best position group on the NC State team. And that's going to decide the game for me. Yeah, and the big thing is going to be that defensive line being able to finish. There was some issue in the South Carolina game with Jake Bentley being able to find his way out of tight spots and make big plays. I promise you Lamar Jackson is a lot better than Jake Bentley. Yes, he is. <laughs> the defensive line, when you've got Lamar bottled up, when you've got him in a tight window, you cannot let him make those plays where he Houdini's his way out of the pocket and runs to the end zone. You have to finish. If you can sack him, put him on his back on the turf, and like you said, bottle him up, make him throw, don't let him run. But I really do think that the key to stopping him or limiting the damage he can do, because there is no stopping him completely, is going to be running the ball on offense, keeping him off the field as much as possible. Yeah, the Louisville defense can definitely be had, um, and the Pack coming off a huge game against Syracuse will look to do that on offense, pound the ball, Naheem Hines, Reggie Gillespie, uh, and then put themselves in third and short, second and short, take some shots down the field to Kelvin Harmon and Steph Lewis. You mentioned the um, the defensive line against Lamar Jackson and finishing off sacks. I believe the trend for Louisville when they lose games is that Lamar when Lamar Jackson is sacked five, six, seven, eight times, if State can sack him five, six times, I mean, that's – that's going to be a pretty good indicator of how well state plays because you're keeping him in the pocket. He's not getting outside the pocket and he's not making these just ridiculous runs to convert a third and 11 where, you know, you've got no business converting that, especially on a running play. Um, so if Pat, if state can make that happen, keep them behind the chains. And the other thing is when he scrambles, that puts your secondary in a tough position, having to stay with their guys because they don't know whether to stay with the receiver or come up and and try to make a play on, on Lamar Jackson. So that's going to be tough for the pack. The other thing that I wanted to mention about this game, this is a big game. NC State is 24th in the country. When is the last time NC State had a game that was this big? Well, the last ranked matchup that NC State even played in was in 2000 against, I believe, Miami. I can't speak to that because I was, I believe, maybe like four years old uh, for that game. I was four. (laughs) One of the bigger games I remember recently is going back to the last ranked win before this season, the last one over Florida State in 2012 with Mike Glennon and Tom O'Brien, NC State at Carter-Finley on a Thursday night game, nationally televised, down 16-0 at halftime, comes roaring back to win that game 17-16. That season did not finish great, but just in terms of what that win meant for this program and what that game did for the perception for NC State coming out of it, I think that's the biggest one that I can go back to in my mind comparatively. I am definitely going to agree with you. I was actually at that game in 2012, and it was absolutely amazing. It was huge. Um, Everybody, all the fans were just up the entire game. It was so so loud in Carter Finley and I think there's a lot of the same hype around this game because it is a ranked opponent because it is such a big game and now you've got to factor in the 
black the black howl uniforms and everything else they actually changed Tuffy's eye color to red for this game i think so. they switched it back actually i think they may have just been covering it like they i think they covered it i saw a picture where they covered it i'm not sure if that's accurate or not i saw a photo this afternoon when it, or this morning when it was still red yeah i'm, I'm not, not sure, sure. i'm not sure i guess Either we'll way, find out tomorrow it's night it's going to be an exciting game <laughs> yeah i mean certainly for me the this is the biggest game since two years before 2012 and 2010 when Russell Wilson and Nate Irving led State to a 24-20 win over the Seminoles, which I believe also was on a Thursday night. It was definitely a night game. I'm not sure if it was a Thursday or not. Things happen in Carter Finley at night. Yeah, that is true. So what we're saying here is these Thursday night uh, games tend to against ranked teams. Thursday nights all the time. Yeah, so that game put NC State, the game that I'm referencing, put NC State in position to win the Atlantic Division, which this, obviously this they were unable the to same, do. This game could do the same thing. Yeah, it could. That game, for me, it put NC State in the driver's position, driver's seat, I guess. Driver's seat would be the right yeah, This game right is term. a shot. Yeah, the, the game would be... The game to circle would be Clemson. That's the game. This game won't decide the Atlantic Division. It will. It won't put NC State in the driver's seat, but the Clemson game would. But obviously, NC State still has two more games to win before they can get there. Yeah. I mean, this is the toughest game before Clemson, I think. And definitely in the ACC, you yeah. can make an argument that at Notre Dame is a at tougher Notre game. Dame. Yes, but the th- because the thing is, though, the determining factor is going to be that ACC record. Right. This gives NC State a good chance to go into that Clemson game with both NC State and Clemson having zero ACC losses if State wins this one. Right. You go into that one, whoever wins, the other team is up one in the ACC record category and owns the tiebreaker. Right, so it's basically a two-game lead. Yeah, I mean, so really this game, obviously you this is, your for the NC State team, the players, the coaches, focus needs to be one thing, Louisville. But for us, we can talk right. about other we can things, look ahead and we can look ahead and we can see the kind of that while this would be a great win and mean a lot for the program and probably move them up into the top 20, it could be a sign of even greater things to come and give them more opportunities in the future. Yeah, I'm trying not to look ahead to the Clemson game, but I think I'm just going to say this. That would maybe be the biggest game in program history if NC State were to win the three games standing between them in October before that one. We won't get into that right now unless you have something burning that you want to say about that. Don't believe so. Not at the moment. Okay. So that's the game tomorrow night. Louisville traveling to Carter-Finley Stadium on a Thursday night at 8 o'clock, which, as we mentioned, is a huge Huge opportunity for State on a national stage. Ranked number 24, you're playing number 17 against a team, as we mentioned. They're beatable. They're certainly a game that NC State can win. All right, Andrew, before we let you go, we're going to get some predictions here for the NC State-Louisville game and then some other games across the country. Who do you see winning tomorrow night in Carter-Friendly Stadium? I think it's going to be a close one. It's going to go back and forth. It's going to be a high-scoring game. Both offenses can put points on the board, but I just think at home with that raucous home crowd they're going to have at Carter-Finley Stadium, I think a couple big sacks from Bradley Chubb will be the difference. And I just think that NC State 
is going to continue their upward trend as a program this year with another top 25 win. The first It'd be the first win in a ranked matchup for NC State in our lifetime, the first since 92, and they're going to get it. NC State wins 35-30. to 30. As much as I would like to say that I think we're going to win, I just don't have that, I don't know, I don't. I don't know. I just don't have that fantastic feeling of Louisville traveling traveling to Carter Finley, even though it is a night game and it's on a Thursday night. I just feel like the pack is gonna fall by like a touchdown, field goal maybe. Let me just uh, go ahead and put my jaw back into place that Madison Bell just picked NC State football to lose. Um, <laughs> That's a first. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, I... It's not without heartache, let me tell you. Lamar Jackson's going to keep stayed up at night. But Jalen Samuels, Kelvin Harmon, Steph Lewis, Naheem Hines, Ryan Finley, those dudes are going to keep Louisville up tonight. That's the reason I think State wins. I think State's going to get out to a big lead in this game, and Louisville's going to come back and make it a little interesting. I think State wins 41-31. I think that's what I'm going to go with. Now let's get some predictions from games across the country. The biggest game in the ACC this week, uh, aside from Louisville and NC State, is Miami-Florida State, which is a rescheduled game from two weeks ago, I believe, uh, and Hurricane Irma. That, that game's taking place in Tallahassee. Who do you see winning? I am going to go with uh, Florida State for the sheer fact that you are playing in Tallahassee. And... Um, it is a difficult place to play, as it has historically been mentioned. But um, I think their quarterback's getting a little bit more experience now. He's gotten a couple ACC games under his belt, so I think he's going to start ho- – hopefully for the Seminoles, he's going to start breaking out a little bit and showing his talents. And also for NC State. NC State needs that Florida State win to look as good as Absolutely. possible. Andrew, who do you see taking that one? Miami. I just think Florida State – has struggled. They didn't look great against Wake Forest last week. Miami is a ranked team. I think they're a good team. I think they're going to be able to walk in and pull this out against their rival. Yeah, Miami is a three-point favorite. So, when's the last time Florida State was a dog at home? Not, not long, not a long time ago, I should say. Maybe actually, maybe last year, because I believe they played Clemson at home. Yeah, that could be. Um, I, I like Florida State as well. I like Florida State's defense, and I know that those guys will get up for that game because that's a big game. Florida State already has two losses. They don't have a whole lot left to play for, but they'll still get excited to play Miami. Looking at some other games across the country, Michigan State, Michigan, either of you have a prediction for that one? I'll go. Uh, it's one near and dear to my heart. Uh, a lot of family from up north. My mother is actually a uh, U of M alum, so... I've got to go with Big Blue in that one. Michigan's having another great year in the top ten. Michigan State still kind of rebuilding from what they've been in yeah. previous years, not quite at their previous heights. I think Michigan takes that one fairly easily. I do believe Michigan is starting a new quarterback in that one. I believe their starter is out for a couple weeks. Yeah, Wilton Spate is yeah. going to be out for a few weeks. I'll be honest, I haven't kept up with the Wolverines as much as I usually do. The guy who's been playing in Spate's place, is I'm drawing a blank on, but he's – I mean, I've heard from my grandparents who watch those games religiously that, that he's been having a great year. So, 
I, I like Michigan for sure. Yeah, that'll be a, that'll be a good game, if nothing else, because Michigan has a new quarterback. West Virginia TCU, I think, is the only other ranked. It's the only other ranked game I see that week, other than Louisville NC State. Who do you guys see taking that one? You're gonna have to repeat that. <laughs> Okay, West what? Virginia TCU. TCU. The the Horn Frogs are having a great year, and I just think that that's one that they're going to be able to walk away with. TCU. Yeah, I, I agree. TCU. Uh, we'll take that one at home. TCU is a. Hang on a second. Well, I'll just point out too. If anybody ever wants to see uh, possibly good, possibly foolish college football picks. In our Thursday print issue at Technician, we run a feature. There's no print issue this week, unfortunately, called Pigskin Picks, in which myself, my two co-sports editors, three other members of our editorial board, men's basketball head or women's basketball head coach Wes Moore, baseball head coach Elliot Avent, Madison Maloney, the student government athletics director, and the, we'll call him Goat, Derek Wittenberg, ah, yes. all yes. make picks for 10 big college football games that week, including always NC State's game. So if you ever want to see uh, people attempting to throw darts at a board and pick college football games, definitely uh, check that out. Absolutely. Yeah, so that's that's going to do it for us this week. Looking ahead to the big game, looking back across the first five games of the season so far, Louisville's a three-and-a-half-point favorite tomorrow night. Be sure to check. Uh, excuse me. Be sure to catch that one on ESPN at eight o'clock. Andrew, thank you for being with us this week. Thanks for having me, guys. That'll be it for us. Make sure to catch us next week, right back here on the Howler. Thanks for listening to the Howler, a service of Pack TV. Find out more at go.ncsu.edu/sports.